We are going to get to preaching here. We're on a series that we begun a number of weeks ago called Overflowing Wealth. And in this series, I'm giving you some of the different principles in God's Word about wealth. And uh, I'm kind of focusing on four main ones, and we've already looked at a couple. And today, we're going to look at another specific principle. And I'm doing this for a reason, because... Often we don't teach what God's Word says about finance, or maybe we only teach about giving, but there's a bunch of principles, and God wants you to operate in all of them so that He can pour out wealth on you for His kingdom. But let me give you scripture so it's not just me talking. You see, Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, says this, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So who gives power to get wealth? God does. Okay, so just remember that. But he's going to give it for his kingdom purpose, not just for your purpose. John 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or as one version says, abundant life. The name of our church is Abundant Life. There's a reason for that. Christ came to pour out abundantly on his people. Now, I want you to understand something as we preach these messages. You see, you're not going to reach God's potential for wealth for you if you simply practice one principle and not all of them together. You can't just practice giving but never go to work and expect God to bless you. You can't just work hard but never practice any of the other principles and expect God to overflow you. They work together. Scripture interprets Scripture. So you need the whole picture, and so that's why I'm giving you all of the different Scriptures and verses. Now, we've looked already at the principle of giving, and actually that took a couple weeks. We looked at the principle of working hard. That was previous week. Today, we're going to look at the principle of overcoming greed. Or I could have titled it, having self-control, or we could have titled it not being covetousness, not being covetous, because they're the same thing, okay? God shows in his word that this is a very important principle if you want to walk in wealth. Without it, you won't be wealthy. But once again, let me give you God's word. Here's a story in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. And verse 11 says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. You see, this son was greedy. This son wanted it now, and this son then went out and wasted it on wild living or himself. It's a great way to waste all your money. Talk to any young oil field worker who doesn't serve God. They have spent a fortune on wild living. This young man did the same, and greed caused him to waste an entire inheritance. 
in a very short time. So this principle of not being greedy is extremely important. Because if God blesses you with abundance and you simply waste it, you will still be broke or poor, whatever term you want to use. You see, obtaining a large sum of money won't make you wealthy. If you're greedy or don't know how to manage it, don't know the other principles, you will soon have nothing before long. A large sum of money will not make you wealthy. It'll cause you to have money for a little while. I need you to get this. I need you to understand it. I'm going to give you a couple of brief stories throughout the message today. And these are stories of people who won the lottery and very shortly were broke. I'm going to give them to you for a reason. I'm not going to give their names because if I had made this big mistake that they did, I wouldn't want my name on a podcast, but these are real people. So this husband and wife ended up having their marriage end in divorce less than a decade after winning $2.19 million. You see, the husband chased his rock star dreams and spent big bucks on his band to release an album. The wife got a taste of the high life, and as the couple paid for exotic cars, an expensive house, designer clothes, accessories, and a pricey private school for their daughter, they dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars into opening a salon where the wife later had to work as an employee just to make ends meet. In the end, the couple was left with $10. You see, gaining a large sum of money will not make you wealthy. Learning God's principles will cause you to be wealthy. Now, I'm bringing this for a reason because so many people, even Christians, feel like, well, if I could just win the lottery or if I could just have a rich uncle give me a bunch of money, I would be wealthy. If you don't learn finances, you wouldn't be. Or if I could just marry a rich guy. <laughs> That's from the finance course. But anyhow, <laughs> it won't change who you are and what you do with finance. You need a change, and as we're going to see today, you actually probably need a heart change. So, continuing on. You see, we've noticed something in our culture, and it's people who are controlled by an addiction are always broke. You see, an addiction is you pleasing yourself or you being greedy for selfish purposes. It usually starts out simply with, oh, I'm just going to fulfill a desire. You do it enough and suddenly it becomes an addiction that takes you over. Suddenly it owns you. And church, that's not good. People with addictions are broke, are very soon to be broke. People who go long in addictions usually only can because of family members paying for it or the government's paying for it by way of a monthly check. None of us want to be there, though, do we? So we want to know how to overcome greed. We want this to be a principle in our lives that allows God to trust us with more. You see, do not covet is one of the Ten Commandments for a reason. Exodus 20, verse 17 is where we first read this. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. You see, covet is an older word for being greedy, wanting what everybody else has. I've seen it so many times throughout the years, people wanting to buy something just because other people they know bought that. 
Well, it makes me feel like I'm as rich as them. I need what they have. No, you don't. Proverbs 21, 25 says this. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin, for their hands refuse to work. Now, that was last week. And verse 26, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly who have understood the principles of God's word have something left to give. They have something to give because they've learned the other principles. But the greedy, as soon as they get it, they spend it. What happens if you give a five-year-old $5? They pull on you till you go to the store and get them candy. Unfortunately, some of us don't learn how to get out of that phase. And now we're 45 years old with bigger checks and we're going to bigger stores to buy bigger things. If it comes in and you want to spend it immediately, you're probably struggling a little bit with greed. It's getting quiet in here. People are like, okay, don't get personal. Like, just let's keep this to those lottery people. <laughs> okay, we'll keep moving. Now, just so you know, in some of the uh, other versions of the scripture, that word greedy was actually covetousness. They're the same thing, okay, just in case you're wondering. 1 Corinthians 5.11, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Now, I just brought this up just for one purpose today. We all get this picture in our mind, oh, those people, they're so bad. Somebody worships idols. <gasps> that is terrible. Uh, greedy is right in between those two. Oh, what's wrong with being greedy? We seem to put different weights on different things. God says being greedy is just like these other things. And in this scripture, he's saying, don't hang out with a greedy person. Why? Because you'll become greedy like them. I just thought that was, wow. That's not one you brings to your mind when you think of that scripture, is it? Being greedy is not okay with God. Okay. Ephesians 5 verse 3. It's the same type of scripture. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Greed is called a sin. Oh, Pastor Danny, don't do this. Greed is sin. If you need the biggest and the best all the time, that's sin. Well, I don't have any money anyway, so that's not me. <laughs> I never do that. Well, have you ever went to have one scoop of ice cream, which became a bowl, which became the whole bucket? Anyways, don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer that question. Let's keep going. Okay. First Timothy 6, verse 10. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So when we're talking about this uh, series about God pouring out wealth, we do not want you to chase money. And we do not want you to love it. But I want you to understand something here. People don't just love paper with old people's faces on it. There's a reason they love money. They love money because of what it can get for them. Okay, so you've got to understand this scripture. They love money because of how it can fulfill their selfish desires. 
can give them power or it can buy them what they want. So in other words, the love of money is greed and covetousness for what money can buy. Does everybody, you understand that? So you don't have to have a lot, you can have a little and have this problem. Do you understand that as well? Some people, oh, they have a lot of money, they must love money. No, no, no. You can have a greed for what it can get you and have nothing, or you can have lots and have no issues with loving it. You're using it as a tool for what God is asking you to use it for. So in other words, I think you could say it like this. Greed and covetousness for money and what it can buy is the root of all evil. Because, oh my, people will do anything to fulfill their selfish desire. Anything. People who have ever struggled with addiction can tell you it's overpowering. And you'll spend anything, steal anything to make it, to get it. Let me read you another article. This is a gentleman whose name I'll leave out again. He won $27 million. Five years after winning the $27 million, he was penniless and living in a storage shed with his wife. The couple squandered their fortune on the typical goodies that sink so many lucky winners. They bought dozens of high-end cars, mansions, and a plane. They blew through $3 million in the first three months. By the end of the first year, $12 million was wasted. And by 2006, the couple had spiraled into drug addiction, and just 12 years after the win changed the course of his life, this gentleman died alone and broke in hospice care at the age of only 58. Getting a large sum of money will not make you wealthy. It will change your life. Unfortunately, it may change your life and destroy it. If you don't have principles, if you don't have a foundation of how to look after it, it will do you far more harm than good. Now, that's a little bit of a depressing story. I'm going to tell you today, though, I've chosen three or four stories. I chose the best ones. There's some I won't read in church. They're so terrible. So let me say it again. Quit dreaming of a large sum of money falling out of the sky on your head. And quit buying lottery tickets. Oh, and I heard a lot of amens from that one. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was overwhelming. Okay, well, we are just moving right along. Greed causes us to rush ahead and even use debt to get more stuff. Greed is the reason we say, I want it and I want it now. Listen to Proverbs 28 and verse 22. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. Get-rich-quick schemes have caused lots of people to put their money out and never see it again. Oh, I saw this online. They said I could double my money in a year, and your money's gone. Get-rich-quick schemes are greedy. Don't fall for them. Proverbs 23, 4. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. You cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. How many have seen the cartoons of the bag of money with wings on it and it's flying away? Don't put your trust there. Put your trust in the Lord. And watch what He can do and how He can bless you. Proverbs 21 and verse 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. In other words, it takes time. 
Greedy people don't want to take time. They don't want to work hard and wait. They want it now. And because of that, so many people, Christians included, get themselves in debt to buy stuff. There's a scripture that says this in Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. In other words, when you borrow, and it doesn't matter what debt you go into, whether it's for the couch or the big TV, you sign a paper that says, I'm going to pay you back, and I'm going to pay you with interest. And if I don't, you can come get my stuff. And if you don't let me come get the stuff, then they'll bring the sheriff and come get the stuff. Can I say this? Going in debt for stuff is not a good idea. And I believe if we're doing it for stuff to fulfill our desires, it's probably a greed issue. Don't do it. Okay. I'm not a finance expert, and I'm not talking about business or your home mortgage, okay? Just in case anybody's wondering. But I am talking about going in debt for stuff to fulfill your desires. Don't do it. Speaking of going in debt, I have another lottery winner for you. And you're like, what? This gentleman won $16.2 million. It didn't last long, however. Just one year after he hit it big, he was $1 million in debt. How can you win 16.2 and a year later be a million dollars in debt? I'll tell you how he borrowed. And he borrowed on the big lump sum that he had in the bank at the time. But he lost it all. His ex-girlfriend sued him for part of his winnings, and his brother reportedly hired a hitman to kill him. The real problem, however, was his lavish spending. He bought houses, boats, cars, and a twin-engine plane that he wasn't even licensed to fly. Greed. Greed will cause money to disappear from you faster than you can imagine. If you don't get a hold of it, you will never be entrusted by the Lord for more wealth. You won't. So church, I want to encourage you today to remember this principle, to learn it. I won't be greedy. Instead, I'm going to have self-control. Because you see, self-control is how you defeat greed. And let me give you a statement that you'll never forget. No self-control equals no money. Let me say it again. No self-control equals no money. We live in a world today, if we don't gain self-control, we will be guaranteed to be broke. You used to, in days past, have to at least go to the store to get tempted to buy stuff you didn't need. Now you can talk about it, and an advertisement will show up on your phone on social media so you can buy it online. If you don't gain self-control, you will be broke. Proverbs 25 and 28. It says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now for you and I, we maybe don't get that picture, but... In the day when it was written, they got that picture really well. Because a city without walls was completely wide open to thieves, to robbers, and to enemy territories. In other words, a city without walls was going to be destroyed in a short amount of time. It would be plundered, it would be taken over. So he's saying if you don't have self-control, everything you have will end up being gone and you'll probably be destroyed. 
You got that picture now. Self-control is a must. Proverbs 16.32, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. And 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Our self-discipline, the same thing. Hold on a minute. Again, these are verses we, we kind of know in the back of our minds. We always have love and power. What, what was the third one? I know I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm supposed to have love and power. And we just forget the last one. Self-control. We're not supposed to run around like Looney Tunes, being crazy, doing whatever we want. Self-control is something great. In the area of finances, do you know how you gain self-control in the area of finances? You create a budget, and then you stick to it. Oh, that's how, that's how you do it. Create a budget where you're saying where you want your money to go and when, and then don't do if you have no money left in that area. Set a budget. Tell yourself where to spend. Don't just run out and spend. It's important. I, uh, we do family nights at our house, and one family night, sometimes I'll ask the girls, what do you want to do? And one of our girls, let's go to Walmart and shop. Maybe I shouldn't have asked him. I was thinking Bible study or something. But anyhow, <laughs> I do that once in a while. So I said, okay, sure, but there's going to be some rules. I said, so we're going to go to Walmart and shop, but everybody is only allowed to spend up to $20, and you have to write down on this paper what you're going to buy before we leave the house. So I said, you can go online and Google prices at Walmart if you want. There's a flyer on the table from Walmart. But if you go over, you don't get to get anything at Walmart. So if you put three things down under 20, the third one you don't get because we're going to stick to what we put down. Well, for one of them, it took forever to put something down. They just couldn't figure it out, and they wanted this, but this was too much. It was harder than it looked. And then we went to the store, and... Uh, of course, I was being really careful because I didn't want to go over $20. You know, this was be an example. I made it. It some cents. But anyways, we had a great time, and we learned something. Self-control is something you practice and get better at. Young kids have less self-control because they haven't yet learned it. You and I have no excuse. The kids are all in kids' ministry. You and I are here. So... I know we have some children that are older in kids' ministry. Self-control, you must have it. Galatians 5.22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a song about that, isn't there? It's a kid's song or something. They sing all those. Self-control, there's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. There's no, uh, it's not a coincidence that this verse followed the last one. There's a reason this verse followed the last one. He ended with self-control and then he goes on to say, this is how you have self-control over your own desires. Nail them to the cross. Take them to Jesus. Take them to him and say, hey, 
I'm struggling with this, Jesus. You paid the price already. I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to let it run my life. But you have to do that. You already paid the price, but you've got to take it to him. You've got to say, I'm done with this. You've got to step up and bring it to him. All right, I have one more article today. I know all of you are like, I don't want to hear of another lottery person going broke. I'm going to give you one more anyways. This is a lady who actually won two multi-million dollar lotteries one year after the first one. Her total haul was $5.4 million. And like so many other lucky winners, she couldn't get out of the way of herself. She gambled much of the money away on slot machines. She gave too many gifts to family members and spent too much and made some bad investments. She blew it all and rented in a trailer park. Now, if you're renting in a trailer park, don't feel bad. This person had $5.4 million, and that's where she ended up. Gambled it on slot machines. Okay, why do people gamble? They want to get rich quick. What does Scripture say about that? It's greedy. Greed is sin. Gambling is not a way to build wealth. Gambling is a way to go broke. Listen, I'm not going to judge you, and I love you no matter what, but I want to give you some truth that'll help you, okay? And God loves you no matter what, but I want to give you some financial truth that will really set you free. And if you can set a boundary that just says, I don't gamble, and you start putting it other places and investing it and putting it where it needs to be, you will grow wealth. But if your whole belief system is, I just work, pay bills, and maybe one day I'll win the lottery, and you keep pouring out money to gambling and lottery, you will always be in that position and you will lose. Please don't. I want you to get a hold of this. I want you to get a mind and heart change about finance. You see, every one of you in here has the potential to be wealthy because God wants you to be. If your mindset is, I can only be wealthy if some magic thing happens and falls out of the sky, then you will never be. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? So you've got to get a mind shift, a heart shift, and realize, how oh, is this possible for me? Whether or not I get an inheritance or somebody drops a blessing. And that can happen throughout your life. It really can. When you get the wisdom and foundation, God's going to entrust you and miracles can happen. Things can happen beyond your wildest dreams. But you need a heart and mind shift first. You see, to truly defeat greed and covetousness, we need a heart change. In Scripture, there is a lot about heart change. And one man who knew way too much about the cost of following his desires was King David. And he made some huge mistakes. And he went to God and he said this. He cried out to God in prayer in Psalm 51 verse 9. And he said, Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart. He knew he had a heart problem. You see, he knew that the greed and covetousness that he had got himself into was a heart issue. It wasn't just, a, oh, I made a mistake. I did the wrong thing. It had become a heart issue. And heart issues are built up over time. They're not sudden. They slowly build up with us giving in to temptation. Oh, I'll just... 
follow my desires. Ah, it doesn't matter. And they become heart problems. And heart problems need some outside help. You can't fix a heart problem on your own. Anybody ever needed heart surgery and did it themselves? Of course not. You get a heart surgery. You go in and you, help. you need outside help. You got a heart issue, you need outside help, and I know somebody who can help with the kind of heart issue we're talking about today. His name is Jesus. You see, Scripture clearly shows us in prophecy in Ezekiel that the time would come when someone would come and that would give us new hearts. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. A new heart. God wants to change our hearts in areas where we're struggling. And church, I want you to understand something. If you are in a position where you're like, I don't want anybody to tell me what I can or can't do, you need a heart change. If you're getting really uptight because the pastor mentioned some things that aren't good for you in their finance, why? I've met some people that are so rebellious, they don't even listen to themselves tell them what to do. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> uh, almost. You know, if somebody else suggested it first, you know, they're like, no, I don't think I'll go do that. I can do whatever I want. You need a heart change. Because you actually can't do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want is a statement that says I can do whatever I desire. The fleshly desires... You do whatever you want, you'll be calling me to come visit you in jail. So no, you can't do whatever you want. Is there any young people here? I can't wait till I'm 18, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. Sorry to burst your bubble. When you're 18, you can't do whatever you want. You're going to do what your boss wants because you want to pay rent and you want to pay your power bill. Then you're going to do what the government wants because you don't want to be in jail. And then you're going to do what your family wants because you want to keep a family. And then you're going to get married and you can do what your spouse wants. I'm saying that for the young people in the back. <laughs> like, I'm never getting married. <laughs> oh, self-control. Heart change. Jesus can bring heart change. If you've had an addiction or a habit that has taken you down, I want you to hold your head high. I want you to bring it to him. He will take you out. He will change your heart. He will bring you forward. God is not in the business of crushing people. He's not in the business of saying, that's, you're done. He's in the business of having arms outstretched, saying, I don't care where you're at, come. You see, the story of the prodigal son that we started with, he messed it all up, but when he came back to the father, the father had his arms outstretched, wrapped his arms around him and said, come back home. Wherever you're at, whatever's happening in your life, come to Him. You know, today, I'm looking around and I don't know if every one of you has accepted Christ. You see, heart change can't even happen if we don't allow Him in. And for you and I, salvation, asking Christ to forgive us, is the beginning to a brand new heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You want a new heart? 
You need to get into Christ. You need Christ to come into your life. You need to ask him to forgive you, to change you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved. And so here at our church, we take opportunity to allow people to do that simply by repeating a prayer. The prayer has no power or magic. We're just giving people a way to say the things that's in their heart. And so we're going to do that again today just because I don't know everybody. And if you're here today and you want to say that prayer, maybe you're strayed from God and you're coming back to serve Him, say that prayer with us. I'm going to ask the rest of you to join just so that we don't embarrass people. We're not singling anybody out. Bow your heads with me and repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all I've done wrong. Make me new. Change my heart. I thank you now. Amen. I just want to pray with you right where you're seated with your, you can bow your heads right there. And I'm going to just pray over you. Uh, I want to pray for addictions to be broken if there's, that's an uh, issue for anybody today. And we're going to pray for God to teach us and show us how to have self-control. We're going to ask Holy Spirit because it says that the Spirit brings that. We're going to ask for more self-control. So just bow with me and let me pray over you. Lord, I thank you for this congregation, every single one that came today. Lord, I thank you that you love them more than they can imagine. And Lord, I thank you that your desire is to overflow them with abundance and wealth. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us where we've lacked self-control. Forgive us for where we've wasted what you've given us. Lord, we thank you that you forgive and you change our hearts. Lord, where there's any addictions, I just rebuke addiction right now. I command addictions be broken in the name of Jesus. I command chains come off. Chains on minds, chains on hearts be gone in Jesus' name. I see chains falling as we pray today. You see, God wants to do these things in the Spirit. And then He's asking you, step up now deal in the natural. Lord, I thank you. Your word is good. Your word is true. Holy Spirit, fill us with self-control more than we've ever had before and allow us to walk with our heads held high, alive and bright in the community you've placed us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.